This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 131. Like, how bad do you want it? I wanted it so bad. Every time I would lay in bed and think, oh, should I go into work today? But then I will think, I just need to bear it out for a little bit more. To think that it's building my retirement. I will look back on these years and not regret it. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. Tony, what's going on? What do you want to banter about today before the episode? I kind of like the little life updates we've been doing. That's That's been like a fun little addition. So I'm trying to think what's going on in my personal life first, something that's, that's kind of cool. My son came, so he's in eighth grade, and uh, he came home the other day and told us that not one, but two girls had written love letters to him confessing their their adoration of our son. So we're, we're at that phase of like the parents in life now. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he shared you with the, she shared that with yeah, you guys. Yeah. He, he let us know. Oh, that's going. so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I hope my boys tell me too. Show me their little love yeah. notes. They get. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're just trying to brace ourselves that we're now at that phase of, uh, of parenting. So, yeah, it was so funny. Like we were, Sarah and I, my, my wife, we were separate on Friday like I was at home, she was like out running errands and we both separately bought books on raising teenagers. <laughs> like I bought two books on my Kindle and she just happened to stop by like Barnes and Noble <laughs> to pick up a book on it too. So yeah, the, the, the joy of <laughs> oh raising teenagers. Oh my gosh, teenager. that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't wait to learn or have you learn everything and then just tell me what to do when my boys are teenagers. So. <laughs> you know, this is actually really nice. I do like it when we give little life updates because whenever me and you actually like do talk and we do talk a lot, it's always like, what should I do in my business? Yeah. What do you do in your business? Yeah. All, all business and real estate right. talk usually. Yeah. yeah. So I just took my boys to Fort Lauderdale. Actually, we just got back the other day and we did like a little mini weekend vacation. I was speaking at one of Steve Rosenberg's events and my mom came with me and it was great. It was awesome. My mom got to meet uh, the Steve Rosenberg, who has been my mentor for a long time. And that was probably the worst dinner I've ever had in my life. And it was like my worst nightmare come true <laughs> because the conversation went like this to Steve was to my mom. So start from the beginning what was actually like and my mom goes well she started talking around two and she wouldn't stop talking and he's like hmm, that sounds about right keep going and from there they went and like went through my dating history everything just the the whole backstory of ashley huh just making fun yeah, of yeah. The and then we had like three other people join our table who are coming to attend steve's event I'm like yeah so this is my mom and this is me <laughs> join the story <laughs> But that's where real friendships are forged over the dinner table, hearing the embarrassing stories of what it was like growing up. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, today we have somebody who is not very grown up today on the show, 20 years old. And you guys will not believe her story. Yeah, just really phenomenal. So, we, we have Rachel on the show today. And just people make so many excuses as to why they can't get started. And I think Rachel's proof, along with so many of our other guests, as to why your age isn't a restriction, your background isn't a restriction, your occupation, like there's nothing that's holding you back from becoming a real estate investor. And I think Rachel's just such a great example of that again today. 
Before we bring Rachel onto the show, make sure you guys check us out on the Real Estate Rookie YouTube. And you can check me out on Instagram, slide into my DMs at Wealth from Rentals. And the same with Tony. He always loves a good DM at Tony J. Robinson. And share your stories with us. Towards the end of the show, you'll catch the Rookie Rockstar. And we would love to feature you guys. So uh, send us a, a DM, slide in there and tell us about your your win, your success for that week. We'd love to hear it. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the BiggerPockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers... Proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. Now, Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six-month plan for only one dollar. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP Like Bigger Pockets Investor for six months of Rent Ready for only one dollar. 
Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Can we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate? Oh my gosh, where to start? So I have been homeschooled from K to 12 and I kind of just grew up in the country. My mom, she's a, a Korean mom. She's a the stereotypical tiger mom, always just very honest about getting good grades. You got to get a, a safe job, a high paying job and study hard every single day, which is what we did. Um, as homeschooled kids, we have to like, you got to learn to be self-motivated. And that's kind of what I, I decided. I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. I love health. I love holistic healing. And I'm going to get a degree, go to med school and get a nice Nice, well-paying job that is also very fulfilling. And then I went to college at 16 after taking the ACT and... Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I mean, everyone says like, you must be super smart. Well, I think that the public school does a huge disservice to, to their students. And as a homeschool kid, I was able to see how like working on yourself and working at your own pace can really help you get ahead. And yeah, I went to college and I told everyone, hey, like anyone could do it. That is amazing. Ashley, what, what were you doing at 16? Do I have to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I had just gotten my Pontiac Bonneville. <laughs> Oh, at age 16. <laughs> oh, you guys. Uh, sorry, Rachel. So you, you go to college at 16. What, what happens from there? Yeah. So I ran track in college. I had a lot of fun. So much fun in college. Like I loved those years. Like room and board. You lived in the dorm. You went to the cafeteria. You went to practice. It was just such a simple life. And I was a bio major, obviously, because medicine, you got to be science. And then I got into a uh, an accelerated program with KCU, which is an osteopathic school here in Kansas City. And I was on a three-year course. And at my third year, I was getting ready to attend med school. I've always like thought about real estate. It's been at the back of my mind. And then when I was like working to save up for med school, I worked at a warehouse job where it's such a mindless job. So you could listen to podcasts and like ebooks, YouTube videos. So I just thought, okay, I might as well capitalize on this free time where I was actually making money and just listen to real estate podcasts. So I started off listening to the real estate radio guys and then to Bigger Pockets Rookie. And that was such a ray of hope in my life, just hearing these regular people becoming financially free through real estate. And then once I started getting that idea that I could do it, I started to like actually thinking about not going to med school. Also, there's a whole nother reason why, because I believe that the medical system in America is very corrupt. And if you are to be your own boss and actually care for your clients in the way that you want to, you have to kind of open a private practice. Otherwise, you'll be bossed around by the big hospitals and whatnot. But anyways... I decided to just get into real estate full-time. Like after a lot of prayer and self-reflection, I thought, okay, this is something I really want to do. And what if later down the road, I look back and I realize that this is something that I really want you to do, but I never took the plunge. So I decided to get my license 
and become an investor, basically. And yeah, that's kind of where I started. I've always thought about real estate at the back of my mind, especially since I listened to Graham Stephan. Um, he's a realtor slash YouTuber. But yeah, that's where I got my idea from you guys, basically. Bigger Pockets has is such a treasure chest of information. And yeah. We love Bigger Pockets just as much. <laughs> yeah, I love Bigger Pockets. Okay, so did you stop going to school then? Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about that right there. Like you were on this path to go to med school for a very long time since how how old was it even 16 or even before that you knew you wanted to go to med school? Listen, it was way before. I've always been a fan of natural health, natural cures. And there was this huge thick book. It's called like natural cures or something. I would read that every single day. You know how you bring your phone to the bathroom when you're taking a dump? I brought that huge book because we didn't have phones. My mom did buy us phones until I got my first phone when I was 16. So I would just read health books like 24 seven. Like I was obsessed with health. I still love health. Like I think that natural cures are the way to health, but I like... I, I've kind of moved on from that and I'm like absolutely obsessed with the real estate. Yeah, I, I have an obsessive personality. Sorry, really quick. Can we just also set the table? Like, Rachel, how old are you as of today or like in today's recording? Oh, I'm 20. That's amazing. Yeah. Listen, I'm blessed. Yeah, I think you might be the youngest person that we've interviewed. I, I remember we interviewed a couple of college students, but I think they were older than 21. I don't think anyone that we've had on the show has been younger than I don't know, Ashley, am I wrong? Yeah, I don't know. It might have been say, someone that oh, was 20, man. but okay. yeah. That's really cool, yeah. Definitely right up there. So kudos to you. Producer, can you fact check this to Thank us? You. <laughs> yeah. Can we phone this in? <laughs> I can't even buy a margarita yet. Yeah. But you can buy a property. Oh, That's yeah. That's what's important. That's what matters. Who cares about a margarita and you can buy a property? Exactly. Okay, so what about that mindset shift? Like you've spent almost a large majority of your life focused on this track. What was that like for you to be able to make that shift? Like you've spent so much money already on college. You've did all of this stuff to reach this one goal. And now you've made a complete pivot. And not to say that that was all a waste, but it's not exactly necessary for you to need to become a real estate investor. And how did you become okay with that? Because I went to school for accounting and I mean, I kind of use that, I guess, in real estate. So it has been beneficial, but I don't know how you would be using health, I guess, and medicine in real estate investing. Well, so the mindset shift, I would say definitely was a huge shift. Like, the year of 2020 was the best year of my life in terms of like, I feel like I've changed so much in terms of like, I feel like I've come closer to God. Like faith is a huge part of my life. And also I gained the knowledge and the understanding that money comes easily. You don't have to work your tail off and you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on a college education to make money. We live in a capitalist society right now, and you gain money proportionally to how much you contribute to the lives of others. And obviously, doctors contribute so much. Like they've gone through college, they've gone through med school, they save lives, but so do real estate investors. 
And if you're an investor, you're providing housing, you're providing something valuable to people. And I just kind of realized that entrepreneurism is not about clocking in and out and trading your time for money. It's about just building bigger value for people around you. And that just really was just such a mind blowing thing for me because like, I'm sure this is common in the Asian culture uh, more than in the Western culture, but we think that you got to take the safe road towards wealth, like get a job, get a good education, be smart, be book smart and do your work well, instead of finding new ways to build wealth. And that's kind of the mindset shift that I went through after listening to all these successful people on your podcast, all these other podcasts and ebooks that I've listened to. Rachel, the thing that I kind of thought of and what stood out to me is when you were talking just about your story and the what you were passionate about, and that was natural health, and then you decided to shift to real estate. I think real estate is going to be a better vehicle and a better tool for you to actually make an impact fulfilling your passion. If you decided to go the medical route, like, yes, you'd be making money and you'd be in the profession to try and make an impact. But I think that you are building this foundation through real estate that you're going to free up a lot more of your time and you're going to have a lot of resources and you're going to have a lot of money to actually make a bigger impact than if you would have went to medical school. And I'm already so excited. Like, you're only 20 and I... Can't wait to have you back on the show and even just oh five gosh, years. To yes, see I would love what's to see What's going on? Oh, yes. We'll probably see you on the news first or something, you know, giving a, yeah. a lecture. <laughs> well, listen, this is like, this is such a blessing. It's come as a surprise. Like, I just put that post out there and Mindy commented on the post. She was like, Eric, did you see this? And I was like, did you see what? And I guess, <laughs> I guess, it's, yeah. I'm just so happy to be here. But it's because you're taking action. I think that's a that's a really strong underlying message for everyone that's listening, that it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter what you've been through. As long as you consistently take the right action towards your goal, you're, you're going to make progress. And I also want to highlight something that you said, Rachel, because I, I thought it was really, really insightful. But you said entrepreneurship is about building bigger value for the people around you. You know, I thought that was like such a such a smart way of defining what it means to be an entrepreneur, where your value as an entrepreneur isn't about how much time you put in, but it's about the amount of value that you give to other people. And when you frame it that way, I think it makes a jump of becoming an entrepreneur a little less scary if you're confident in your ability to provide that value to other people. So dropping bombs seven, eight minutes into the conversation, but I want to make sure that we highlighted that. But it, it makes me think of one, one other question. So hopefully you can, you can answer this for us. Early on, you talked a little bit about like the family pressures of kind of following that traditional path. There are societal pressures of following that traditional path of getting a W-2 job and getting a higher earning W-2 job. And sometimes there's like internal pressures to do that as well. Like you just feel like you need to do that. How did you overcome those feelings of pressure, those sensations of trying to follow along that path to kind of break out on your own? Because again, you're, you're 20 years old, which I think is, is really, really brave of you at that age to kind of have that realization. But there are many people who are in their mid-20s or late-20s or 30s or 40s or 50s that are listening that haven't been able to escape from that pressure. So I want to know how you did it at, at your age. Well, okay. So have you ever like worked in a job where there was just an old way of doing things. And when you'd ask, why are we doing things this way? They'd be like, 
well, it's just the way we've always done it. And that would be the most frustrating thing I would ever hear. Like, if you just put in a little bit of creativity and your own work, your own sweat and work into finding a better way to do something, your results are magnified. Like, you can see an exponential increase in productivity when you actually put in the work and put in creativity to fulfilling a goal. So I thought about going down the old path of completing all my education and getting a safe job that literally everyone else could do. And then I thought about what if I applied myself to my business and then I could literally start building value for people right now instead of going down the old path. And that's kind of why I had the confidence to be able to get started is because I've seen so many times in my past where people would do things the old, inefficient way that just everyone does. And they'll say, oh, oh, I'm on the path to something safe and to something very promising. But I want you to do something where I could start providing value now. And yeah, I'm kind of an impatient person. I like to get things done now and when they need to be get gotten done. And I think that procrastination is procrastination and not sticking to your gut in terms of what you think you're passionate about is just, it can fester and it, it leaves you in a state of regret later on down the road. When I'm on my deathbed, I want to look back and say, wow, um, I'm so glad I tried that instead of, dang it, I should have tried that. Rachel, we are only like 10 minutes in. I feel like we, you have said so much and provided everybody with so much value already. Let's talk about your deals though. What does uh, your portfolio kind of look like right now? I have four units right now. So that fourplex was my first investment. And yeah, I'm just so excited to get into my next investment, which I'm planning on house hacking my next investment and then purchasing single family homes and doing the birth strategy on those. So that's my plan for my next couple of investments. Awesome. Let's go through this. So once you decided, did you buy this four unit after you decided to quit school or was this before? No, no. So I actually, like I've been going back and forth about whether or not to quit school. And I was like, okay, God, just take it all. Like it's all you give me clarity that same day. I had the clarity to tell the staff at KCU that, hey, I'm not coming. Just so you know, take me off the list and bring in the next person that you have on the list. So after I gained that clarity, I was like, okay, Rachel, like you literally told them like medicine is not in your future. You have to buy a house now. So I was like, okay, three and a half down FHA, what could go wrong? Like if I just buy a house, even if it burns down, like say I put down 10 grand on a, on a house, like what could go wrong? Like I tried it out. So I, I started going MLS eye shopping. So I would go on Zillow and I would just like look through all these multifamilies every single darn day. Like I would write down, I had a, a notebook full of like analysis where I put down like the cash on cash return, down payment. Okay. Let's stop and talk about that right there because that is so important. You were practicing. Yes. And how do you get super good at analyzing deals? You practice, practice, yes, practice. Yes, analyze a deal. Yeah. So talk about this notebook more. <laughs> oh my gosh. So like I told you, I came from a background of homeschooling. So I knew the power of writing something down every single day. 
because we would go through like textbooks, so much material, and we would have to memorize a lot. So we would write down a lot. And then Brandon always says, the reason why people say they can't find a deal is because they're not analyzing deals. So I thought, okay, Brandon is right. I have to start analyzing deals every single day. So that's what I did. I just, even if a multifamily, I analyze mostly multifamilies because house hacking is something I want to do. And I wasn't really a fan of renting out like three bedrooms. So I thought, okay, a duplex or triplex comes on the market. I will analyze it that night. So I wrote down like the cost to get rent ready. If it was ugly, I just assumed I'm not a contractor. So I just came up with a number and I put down the down payment, which would be three and a half percent. And I put down the interest rate at the time and I put down taxes and estimated insurance. And I just wrote down like my estimated cash flow, estimated cash on cash return and estimated ROI. So I'll look at all these different deals and kind of get a feel of which zip codes and which cities had better returns. And then I noticed that like the worst neighborhoods had a lot better returns on paper, <laughs> but I, I wasn't sold by that. I knew about like how appreciation was very important and how buying in a good neighborhood for your first investment, especially if you're going to live in it, is also important. Rachel, how did you get pre-approved? Were you working at this time? In your warehouse yes. job? Okay, that's a whole nother story in and of itself. So I started talking to lenders. It started off as just me eye shopping. And then I, I would see these multifamilies coming on the market and I would wonder, I really want this property. I don't know how to get it, but there has to be a way. So I realized that you have to get a pre-approval letter to submit an offer on a house. So I talked to so many different lenders and got different quotes on closing costs, interest rates. And then I finally got a pre-approval letter. But yeah, I did. I was working a W-2 job at the time. I was working, like I said, at a warehouse at Amazon. So many times I've wanted to quit that job because it is Amazon. I'm not sure if you've heard the rumors, but... Yeah, you're literally a machine. So I, I worked as a machine. I've seen the memes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I knew that lenders, conventional lenders, don't like to lend on people who recently quit their job. So I just stuck with that job for the longest time. And I chatted with a lender and I told them my goals. And I told them the price point that I wanted to buy at, which is around 400000 because I wanted a fourplex in a nice area. And they were like, well, your income doesn't cut it. Like, you earn $15 an hour. Like, you can't buy this house. And then I told them, well, hey, I work a lot of overtime. What can I do? They said, well, if you have one year of overtime income, we can include that. So I worked 60 hours a week for one whole year. Didn't take a break. Oh and then I came back to my lender. I was like, hey, I'm here. Like 60 hours a week. I gave him the records and everything. He said, okay, you're pre-approved. So that's... So you waited a whole year. Yeah. Look, we got to pause on that, right? Yeah. yeah. That's like an insane amount of dedication from you, Rachel. And, and I think that's the part that when people hear, oh, she's 20 years old. She bought a fourplex. They hear the, the shiny thing at the end, but they don't see all the hard work that happened in the middle. Like how many people are willing to raise their hand and say, I'm going to work 60 hours a week at a very labor intensive job to help me get to my goal of buying my first real estate investment property. Like Ashel, it almost reminds me of Heather 
Heather Blinkenship, right? We had her back in the podcast. I can't remember which episode, but she was like sleeping in the like shop of her RV park for like the first couple of months, just trying to get it all set up. Right now she's super successful, multimillionaire, but it's the hustle in between that gets overlooked so often. So whenever I hear that, we got to stop. We got to pause. We got to give you some praise, Rachel, for being the person to, to be willing to, to kind of grind it out like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was a lot of work. But looking back, I was very happy. Like I was very happy knowing that I was building something. And I think that's kind of what differentiates successful people from people who don't end up succeeding is just like, how bad do you want it? Like I wanted it so bad. Every time I would lay in bed and think, oh, should I go into work today? Should I not? Because you don't really have to sign up for overtime to just come in and work. But then I'll think, oh my gosh, I just need to bear it out for a little bit more. To think that it's building my retirement, I will look back on these years and not regret it. So I thought, oh, like I have to get out of bed and work. Like it's a no brainer. If later on this will pay for my future, for my family, and it'll build generational wealth, like it's such a no brainer to just get your butt out of bed. And once you start driving to work, listening to good music, like you're living the life. Like, Every day is just such a blessing. You get to work. I think that a lot of us during the pandemic, a lot of us weren't able to work. And I thought, okay, Rachel, you have a car. You are blessed to be able to go to work. So just go to work and appreciate it. And that's kind of what got me through those, those grueling, grueling months. That gratitude, showing gratitude, I think is so important. And just waking up every morning and even just naming off one or two things that you are grateful for can really help you start your day. And I think a lot of people tied to success do express their gratitude all the time. As to, And I think there's a, a big correlation. So you guys put a little journal next to your bed. And right in there every morning, three things you're grateful for as you wake up. Or a lot of people even do it at night too, where they write it before bed and just having that positive energy before you go to sleep. Man, and it makes you such a different person. Like, I love that, what you just said. Gratitude. It really makes you a different person. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with RentReady. Now, RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six-month plan for only $1. Visit RentReady.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP Like Bigger Pockets Investor for six months of rent ready for only one dollar. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours. 
even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so what happens next? uh, Finding this deal, you've gotten pre-approved and did you hook up with a real estate agent? What happens next? Oh, yeah. So I was honestly just calling the listing agents of all these properties. I didn't think about getting an agent because I didn't really know how that worked. So I called the listing agents and the funny thing is when I saw a really good deal, it would get off the market instantly. So I talked to these agents and I was like, hey, if you find a, a multifamily that hasn't hit the market yet, call me up and you won't have to deal with listing it. You won't have to deal with talking to other agents. Like, I will be your go-to buyer. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of knew that I had to offer them something to show that I'm a qualified buyer and that they will benefit from coming to me. So I said, hey, if you get a 6% in your listing agreement, who knows, you might be able to keep that whole thing because sometimes they'll end up cutting it to save the seller money. But I said, you know, if you found the buyer, you might end up with 6%. So they're like, okay, okay, okay. And then none of them really got back to me except this one guy. He is a like a multifamily expert. When he heard what I was trying to do, by then I was also licensed, which you might have some questions about. Like I just got licensed and then I was also looking for homes. But being licensed doesn't mean you know exactly what you're doing. So I was just licensed going eye shopping. And then I told him, hey, like I'm a realtor and an investor. If you find me an off-market deal, like you can make it all. Like I'm not going to ask for any commission. He was like, wait, what are you trying to do? are you an investor? And I said, yeah, a little bit of both. And then he said, oh, come to my office sometime and I'll teach you the game. So Steven, this is the guy who who I called. He is literally the most personable realtor that I ever met. He doesn't even call himself a realtor because he deals with people. He thinks that he is there in the service industry, which we as realtors are, but sometimes it can become such a cutthroat game where they're just like, do you have a pre-approval letter? 
call me when you do. He really cared about me. He said, I will find you an investment. Just come to my office. Let's chat about this. So I went to his office and that became the start of a long friendship, which I'm still friends with him to this day. I visit his office often. He mostly sells apartments, but he's very well connected in the area. He got me hooked up with an off-market deal, which is how I got this property. So a, a couple of things to point out with your story here, Rachel. First is that we often talk about the importance of relationships in the world of real estate investing. And your relationship led to experience, right? Because this person passed some experience on to you. They, they put you up on game from what they said, right? The, the second thing is that you found a deal through this relationship and you found friendship. And we talk so often that real estate investing is all about your ability to create and maintain meaningful relationships with other people. So I think you you kind of lived that saying out so well. But the second point, and this is kind of a question for you too, but I know one of the things that comes to Ash and I pretty often is like, how do I get a mentor? I want someone to take me under their wing and show me the steps that need to be done. And it's hard, right? Like people that are typically successful are successful because they don't have a lot of time to share with you know a bunch of random people. But you were able to kind of break through that and find someone who was willing to, again, take you under their wing and kind of walk you through. Like, what do you feel that you did or what's some maybe advice you can give to rookies that are listening to put themselves in a similar situation to align themselves with a mentor? Man, so I hear that a lot. Everyone's like, I really want to find a mentor. Honestly, I don't like the word mentor because it sounds like someone is pouring information into your life and you're just kind of taking it in. But... I never really wanted to get a mentor because I wanted to, I always want to be value wherever I step. So I didn't want to be someone's burden. And then when I talk to people, I realize that if I really want to find a mentor or a friend who's going to help me, I've got to approach every single situation with something, like with something first. Like I told this guy, hey, you're going to make both sides of the commission and I will work with you on future deals. Like, let's create a, a partnership. So I didn't really ask him, hey, will you teach me the game? Or will you teach me this? Will you teach me that? Will you bring me deals to solely me? I just said, hey, like, I would love to work with you sometime. And then he, that really opens up people to the idea of working with you. And he's just a very generous hearted person. So he invited me to his office. He, he taught me all he knew. Not everyone's going to do that. But if you approach every single situation with a service first mentality, you're going to find someone who would love to work with you, who would love to teach you. Because when you, at that point in your life, when you get to the point where you've had so much success, you want to pour into others. But that's also the point where you can smell people who are just trying to get something from you. And if you just come into every situation with, I want to serve, I want to help, the successful people will see that and they'll be like, okay, this is someone I want to invest in because people are created to build legacies and everyone wants to help. Like old people are so generous. They love helping, but they also don't want to help a selfish Gen Zer who just wants to take something from you, you know? <laughs> Okay, well, Rachel, my next question was actually going to be, do you think that more people are interested in you and interested in helping you because you are so young trying to do this? Or do you think that they take you less serious because you are younger? Well, hmm, that's a good question. 
Well, I would say that they're intrigued and they just assume that I'm a little bit older. They're like, their first reaction is like, oh, like, are you buying the house? But then they're like, oh, she must be older. She just has a young face. So I don't really tell people my age until they ask, which I'm like, yeah, I'm 20. And obviously they probably think that I'm a super rich person. But then I say, oh, yeah, I work at a warehouse. And they're like, oh, like, it's kind of confusing for some people. But then I think once they see that I'm really ready to hustle, that helps them take me more seriously. Because with my background, you wouldn't really expect a warehouse worker to start investing in real estate. But it gives you a level of credibility to show that you started from really nothing to get where you are. And yeah, people can take you seriously. Yeah, I think it's a you have an opportunity and advantage that you're starting so young and you are young and you are serious that, like you said, they were that people are intrigued by you. And I think that you'll be able to receive a lot more help and guidance from people or even be able to get more mentors because you are younger and you are starting. So I think it's a real blessing. I don't think it's a problem at all. And that's great. One thing I want to point out to everyone listening is that if you do feel like people aren't taking you serious, that's probably more in your own mind than it actually is. And Mm -hmm. Rachel, I've loved your mindset this whole thing. (laughs) You are so wise. Oh my gosh. uh, I know that you do not have that problem. Yeah. Okay. So what happens next with the mindset or not in the mindset? (laughs) With the the mindset. Oh, yes. Yeah, where does your mind go? Yeah, my mind. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so like the property is a really nice property. It is very turnkey, but I I still bought it under market value and it needed some work, which I'm fine with. It's cool if it needs some work. I just put in some repairs in two of the units. Actually, do you have the details of the property or would you like me to give you the details? Yeah, let's hear the details. Okay, it's a fourplex in Lee Summit, Missouri. So Lee Summit is like the Overland Park of Missouri. So Overland Park, Kansas is a very upscale neighborhood. Lee Summit is considered the Overland Park of Missouri. And the good thing about it, the reason why I love this market is because the property values haven't appreciated to like extreme levels yet. So it's still appreciating and it's not the property values are not overblown that's just such a plus and two of the units have three bed two baths and no sorry three bed one and a half on opposite sides and two of the units in the middle have two bed one and a half bath they all have garages which is great no basement a stone slab foundation concrete foundation and they all have great tenants like i know them personally which made it harder to raise the rent. So I didn't raise the rents as much, but I love them. They're just so awesome. And I know some people will say that's not a great way to start a business. You know, you got to be a business minded person. You got to raise the rents as much as you can. But once their leases ran up, I told them, Hey, like I'm going to be raising rents because market rents are way above what you guys are at. And I told them I won't raise it that much, which I didn't because they had been living here for a while And I get why some investors would want to raise them to market rents. But you got to understand that these people are, their income is suited for that level of rental expenses. And if you raise it to a certain amount that they can't handle, they have to move all their stuff out. So, I mean, that's just not something that I want to to be a part of. So I just said, just raise it just by 50 bucks. 
there's that trade-off too as to do you raise the rent and risk having a turnover and having to fill that vacancy or do you just raise it a little bit and keep those long-term tenants in there too? So when you did your analysis though, are you cash flowing? Is the property making money for you at what you are charging? It would actually break even with me living in it. But once I move out and actually once I raise rents, it cash flows a little bit. So once I move out, I'll probably rent this unit for 1300 bucks. So I'll be cash flowing, if I did my math correctly, about 300 bucks or so, 300 minimum per door. So how much are you paying towards everything for you to live there? Okay, let's talk numbers. So I'm paying 2800 for the mortgage payment and insurance all in, 2800 and one of the units rents right now for 1050 the other unit rents for 1050 those are the two three beds and the two bed rents for 915 and that covers my mortgage and more so by the time i move out i'll rent this one out of course i'll need to do some updates on it which the kitchen is very outdated so i just got some contractors to give me a quote today and They'll send in the quote by the end of the week and we'll get that updated and ready to go. But yeah, I I think it's a good return for an appreciating market because some people buy properties here that literally don't cash flow because the lease summit is that good. Lease summit is that hot. The school districts are eight to 10 and yeah, it's just really a nice area. So I think I got a great deal. It sounds like you got a killer deal, Rachel. I mean, look, you're living rent free right? Like you're, you're living totally no money out of pocket to cover your own living expenses, which for anyone at any age is an impressive feat. So you're building equity in your property by allowing your tenants to pay down your rent. You're living for free. And what you say is a really nice area of the state that you live in. It's a win, win, win across the board. And you've done your tenants a favor by allowing them to stay in this nice part of town without kind of pricing them out. Now, one of the questions that jumps out to me, Rachel, is a lot of people, I think, hesitate becoming a landlord because of having to deal with tenants. So are you self-managing this property? And if so, how has that experience been for you? And can you maybe share any advice on how to effectively house hack and manage that property at the same time? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question because that was my biggest question when I was first getting into house hacking. I was like, I will be living next to my tenant? I don't know. Yeah, that's definitely scary. And that's the biggest thing that the people I talk to about house hacking, they're like, well, what are you going to do with your tenant? You collect rent. Um, <laughs> that's just the simple answer. <laughs> but yeah, I was very afraid. And then I was like, oh, should I just contact a property management company and have them deal with my tenants? But then I realized, okay, it's not scary. People aren't scary. If you were in their shoes, what would you want? If I was in their shoes, I wouldn't care if a new owner came in and just collected rent in the place of the property manager. Like tenants don't care. Unless it's a super dramatic person, they really don't care. And as long as you're very upfront and honest with what you're doing, it's actually the start of a great relationship. Like I run into them. I have conversations with them. They're great people. And... Yeah, I mean, they're just mature adults. Like, it's not that deep. And obviously, like, managing the maintenance can be 
a headache, which I'm just now getting into the flow of because finding good contractors is not the easiest job. But once you do find them, you have them in your back pocket, you can call them up whenever. So self-managing is not too big of an issue, especially since I have automatic payments in apartments.com and they just enrolled for automatic payments. I told them, hey, property's going under new management. I'm managing the property. And at first they were a little bit confused. They were like, oh, are you the property manager? And I said, no. Well, yes, I am, but I'm also the owner. So I decided to come forward with a relationship completely straightforward and honest. So that kind of gave me confidence because I'm hiding nothing from them. And they're very honest with me. I'm very honest with them. And we have a great relationship going on. So it's nothing to be scared about for all those people out there, potential house hackers, do not be scared of managing your own units. It is not scary. And yeah, it's just dealing with people. We had somebody on the show not too long ago, or actually, I think it was actually a long ago, maybe even a year ago, but they had said how when they had bought their first property, they got that first maintenance call and it was just like stress and this weight on their shoulders. And they're like, oh my gosh, there's a problem. And they called somebody to get it fixed. And then afterwards they like realized, wait, that was like took 10 minutes of my life and I made 500 bucks this month from this tenant, like cash flowed that much. $500 for 10 minutes of my time. This isn't actually that big of a deal. (laughs) And I always remembered that because that even made like an impact on me is that sometimes you think something can be so overwhelming and so stressful, but really you're getting paid for that time. And it took 10 minutes to resolve that situation. And yes, you may feel, especially the first couple of times taking those calls from tenants or those maintenance requests, you might feel flustered like, oh my gosh, I want my tenants to be happy. I want the property to be doing well. Oh my gosh, what do I do? And then it finally becomes like common yes. <laughs> to get complaints and yes. maintenance calls. <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember my first maintenance call was like the garage door was like rattling a lot. I had a heart attack. When I heard that, I was like, (laughs) my house. Oh, no. I was so scared. But then once I got that fixed, it was just like, this this is nothing. Like, well, obviously, for anyone's first, it's going to be scary. But once you get over that hump, it's just like, ah, this isn't bad. And especially if you have in your mind the fact that you're providing housing for someone. Like, it's just... It's a blessing to provide housing. It's nothing to be scared about. It's a win-win-win for everybody involved. And I think your first house hack, Rachel, hopefully inspires a lot of people. Just to recap the numbers, right? You've got total rents coming in of $3,015. Your principal interest taxes insurance is $2,800. So you're already cash flowing right now. And then, like you said, once you move out and move on to that next house hack, those numbers go up even more. So kudos to you. Congratulations to you for crushing on this very first deal. Yeah, I didn't think my first deal would be great. And I thought it would just be an okay deal. But you proved yourself wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think I feel so blessed every single day, but I just want people out there who's listening to this, you don't have to have an amazing home run first deal. Like you could be the dumbest person in the world and just buy real estate and win in the end because property values always go up. That said, don't buy a $16,000 house in a terrible, dumpy neighborhood. Don't do that. As long as you don't do that and buy real estate, you'll be good. 
Well, of course, there are some ifs to that statement, but real estate is not scary. One if is the property that Tony has for sale in Louisiana. <laughs> if anybody would like to buy that property. Oh, wants to, yeah, go out to Shreveport, Louisiana. Maybe you should just hold on to it for 20 years. Maybe I'll just, yeah, I'll hold it for 20 oh, years. Yeah, yeah we'll just yeah, keep yeah, paying yeah. the mortgage payment on it. Yeah, Jesus. Well, speaking of, so that deal has been haunting my my mind for months now, but um, let's talk about better mindset things. I want to get into your psyche, Rachel. I want to get into the, and to see what, what makes Rachel tick. So let's move on to our mindset segment. So we, we've talked a lot about mindset already, but I'm, I'm curious, Rachel, you, it seems like you've learned a lot in your journey with this first four unit deal that you've house hacked. If you go back to Rachel before you closed in that first deal, what were some of the misconceptions you had about becoming a real estate investor? Some things you thought were necessary, some things you thought were true that turned out to be false. Yeah. So one of the biggest misconceptions I had was property management is going to be so hard. Like I have to have a huge software or something. I have to have like a whole team to be able to manage my properties. Well, if you have a huge portfolio that is necessary. But starting out, I would always recommend newbies to self-manage their properties for at least a couple months, just get a feel of it. And it's not scary at all. That's one of my biggest misconceptions is that talking to the tenants would be scary. I thought it would be so intimidating because I thought they'd ask me for favors, for so many different questions, but no, people aren't like that. They're not gonna be bothering you all the time. They just want to live a good life and have a quality housing, which hopefully you're providing. And as long as you you approach each interaction with, okay, how can I serve this person and help them get the best experience in my property? There's nothing to be scared about. Yeah. Providing that great customer service and also keeping in communication too. So like even for maintenance, one of the biggest things I've learned over the years is just even if you're not, you can't solve the issue or the problem right away, like keeping communication with your tenants as to what's the update, what's happening. And I, I think that really does um, make a big difference that you stay, keep up that communication. Yeah. I just want to highlight one more misconception. I think this is very important. I thought that when you buy a house, like I thought it was a huge, huge risk. Like it's not like buying a stock. It's not like putting money into a stock that could literally disappear the next day. When you put a down payment on a house, you can earn that back in whatever job you're doing. And it's sitting in your house. Like that's literally equity in your house. So it's not like making an investment is where you're burning that cash. You can recoup that investment if you sell the house. So to anyone out there who's just so scared about buying real estate, it is not scary because you can always sell. It's not like a stock. Coming to you live from Rachel, who is only 20 years old and bought a house. So (laughs) (laughs) she can get over that fear, that obstacle. So can you guys. So Rachel, I want to take us to the rookie request line. You guys can give us a call at one 888 five rookie and leave us a voicemail tony and i actually get these voicemails emailed right to us so if you send it at three o'clock in the morning i will probably be away working on my clarity my future of my business i'm just kidding and i will listen to your voicemail but uh, we may pick it to be played on the show so here is today's question hello fellow investors this is zach i'm from connecticut 
And right now I'm looking at house hacking, um, a smaller multifamily. Now, my big thing is, is I would like to get this done within this first year. I want to jump in, get my feet wet, but I don't necessarily have the funds. Now, looking at partnerships, I do have people with money in my life, but I'm not sure how to kind of negotiate it with them and give them the deal. I know I would be benefiting by house hacking, aka living rent-free, and maybe having a little bit of cash flow. Now, when you I guess my question is more or less, how could you negotiate? Is there any tips on making sure my partner is happy in this deal? Because I would be living there, so I'm benefiting by living in a place rent-free, and he's kind of the one who's maybe giving me 50% of the down payment. I am uh, just looking for advice on ways to kind of better it for both sides. Thank you. Rachel, what would be your advice for Zach? Okay, so just right off the bat, hearing him say down payment, I'm assuming he's getting a loan on it, which is great. If he's qualified for a loan, that means he has a W-2 job. And if he has people in his life who can lend him that money, great. But I would always recommend save up and then invest that 3.5% FHA loan. If you just decide to buckle down and say, okay, these next three months, I'm going to save up as much as I can for a down payment and use that along with my already saved up funds, you could probably get a down payment for a decent house. But if that's still not possible, yeah, go to your closest family member and tell them what you're trying to do. Maybe send them some of the rookie podcasts. You can't explain everything in one conversation. So send them podcasts to listen to on their free time and say, hey, this is what I want to do. Don't just tell them right off the bat, hey, I'm going to buy a house. Lend me some money. No, you got to explain to them what you want to do. And then once they, they see your vision, they see that you're absolutely driven and then that and that you'll absolutely pay them back, they'll be much more likely to lend you the money. And like I said, if it's an FHA loan, three and a half shouldn't be too much. Yeah, I actually did something similar to what you're asking, Zach, with my sister. When she graduated college, we actually purchased a house together where she needed money for the down payment. And what we did was uh, she went and got the FHA mortgage and I gifted her. So I gave, uh, we wrote a gift letter that I was gifting her the money for the down payment and the closing cost for the property. And in this gift letter, it states that she does not have to pay me back for this money and the loan will accept that. So what we did was she got the mortgage in her name. And then we became 50-50 uh, owners of the property. So we are 50-50 on the deed. The mortgage is only in her name, so it doesn't affect my debt to income at all. And I gave her the funds for the down payment closing costs. So the benefit to me is I got into an expensive property for a low amount of money because if I went to go buy an investment property and wanted to use as little of my own cash, I would have to put 20% down or pay cash for it. So that was an advantage to me. And it's in an appreciating area. So long-term, this is a long-term benefit for me. My sister's living in one unit. She's renting out the other. The benefit to her is that she's only paying $45 a month to live there. That's what her costs are. Yeah, so great benefit to her. Great long-term benefit to me. If she eventually moves out, we split the cash flow from that when the other unit is rented. And then if we end up selling the property, 
I get 50% of the equity that's left in the property after selling it. So that is definitely one way you can structure it. And when you are trying to approach somebody to be your partner, make sure that you're approaching it as it's an opportunity for them, not just that you need them and you need the money, make it an opportunity for them. So, yeah. Yeah. Can I add one thing to that too, Ash? Like, This question comes up a lot about like, what's the best way to structure a partnership or how do I make sure that it's fair? And the honest answer is that there's no one size fits all for partnerships. Like what's a good partnership deal to me may be different than what's a good partnership deal to Rachel or to Ashley. And all that matters at the end of the day is that all parties involved are happy with what the agreement is. If it means that Zach, you go out and you buy this property and you know maybe you don't put up any of the capital and then any cash flow that is left over goes to the partner, then so be it. If you put up the uh, maybe a little bit of the capital, they put up the other half, but you're responsible for all the repairs and the maintenance. And you know, then there's a difference, but like you can set it up in any way, shape or form that you want to. There is no right or wrong answer on partnership structures. As long as at the end of the day, you're happy with what you're signing up for. So I, I just wanted to clarify that because I know that question comes up a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Another thing to highlight about that, like you mentioned that you gifted her the money. I'm pretty sure most down payment programs require you to give the money with no no evidence of having to pay it back. If you want to provide value while you're requesting assistance, like I guess you could say I owe you a royalty of what rents come in instead of like, okay, I have to pay this back. Because some people don't want to be partway partnerships and deals. So like that works for Ashley because she's a real estate investor. But for other people, like just come up with a deal that works for them. And yeah, I just think what you did with your sister is so smart. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's a win-win for everybody, yes. right? Love yeah, those kind of yeah. ways in real estate investing. All right, so I want to highlight our Ricky Rockstar before we get out of here today. So for all the Rickies that are listening, be sure to get active in the Real Estate Ricky Facebook group. Get active on the Bigger Pockets forums. Shout out to Ashley and I. You know, give us shout outs on Instagram. Let us know what you're doing. She's at Wealth from Rentals. I'm at Tony J Robinson. As we find a lot of those good stories, we'll be sure to share them here on the podcast. But today's Ricky rock star is Cade, and uh, Cade and his wife just finished their first live in flip. And get this, they bought the property for one hundred and forty thousand dollars with zero percent down. The rehab was 42000 and they sold it for 292000 So, Cade, major congratulations to you and your wife. And uh, if you haven't already, submit an application to get you on the Ricky Show because I'm sure everybody's heads are spinning saying, Cade, how did you get a 0% down loan on a property? So, congratulations to you both. Excited to see you guys win, win some more going into the new year here. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everyone where they can find out some more information about you and possibly reach out to you? Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you for asking. I love people who have questions because I don't know, I just love being able to tell about my experiences. And yeah, Rachel Morrow, I'm on Facebook, Rachel Morrow, like tomorrow, but no to Rachel Morrow. EXP Realty, because that's the brokerage I work with, is easiest to find me on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, I'm Rach Does Real Estate. So R A C H Does Real Estate, because I do real estate. <laughs> and yeah, that's where you can find out more about me. Ask any questions you have about house hacking. I would love to answer them all, or even about investing in general. I'm also a realtor here in the Kansas City area. I occasionally come across off-market deals. So if you're looking to buy a house, hit me up. And yeah, I'm excited to hear from our listeners. 
Well, Rachel, thank you so much. We love talking with you and appreciated all of the value that you provided to us and our listeners today. We will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. I'm Ashley at Wealthroom Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. Have a great week, guys. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.